1: Hey everybody, I'm so excited to get to talk to you today. We are in week three of one of the greatest series we've ever done called Red Letters, The Questions. And we've been examining questions that Jesus asks and I'm excited to talk about this. And and the reason why we named the series Red Letters is that when you open up your Bible and you see words written in red, those are words that Jesus said directly to us. And uh, if there's ever a time for us to examine that, that's right now. And let me tell you why this series is perfect for the times that you and I are living in. It's simply simply this. I think that right now there's a lot of different opinions and a lot of different voices that are coming at us from all sides. And it can be hard to, to sort through that, to try to understand it. There's a lot of people checking their phones all the time right now, and people want to know, what does CNN have to say? What does Fox News have to say? What does the New York Times have to say? What does Twitter have to say? You know what? I don't know about you, but I've had more than enough of what they have to say. I want to know, what does Jesus have to say right now? What does he have to say to me? What does he have to say to you? What does he have to say to our families and to the world? That's because what that what Jesus has to say to us matters. And you know what I love about the words of Jesus The words of Jesus always deliver hope. The words of Jesus always deliver truth. They always deliver courage and they always deliver the strength to overcome any challenge, any obstacle, any situation. If you're looking for words to tune into right now, the words of Jesus are the greatest words in the world to be focusing on. So it's an honor today to talk to you about Jesus and what we've been exploring starting a couple weeks ago is we've been exploring questions Jesus asks. And here's the the interesting thing about when Jesus asks questions. The interesting thing is that Jesus obviously knows the answer to the questions he asks, but he asks the questions to get us to think, to think critically about what he has to say, to think critically about life. And it's so exciting to dig deep into that to find out what is Jesus trying to tell us? What is he trying what is he trying to get us to think about? And so, we're going to be digging deep into that. 2 weeks ago, my dad started us off with the question Jesus asked, "What do you benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your soul?" Last week, we looked at Jesus' question to the woman who was caught in adultery where he said, "Where are your accusers?" Today, we're digging into a whole new question he asked. I wanna take us to Matthew chapter seven, verses one through three. Check this out. Jesus said, do not judge others and you will not be judged for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry? Here's the question. Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? That's a tough question. And it makes us think. It makes us think critically about the way we live. One thing I love about speaking here at NewSpring is that I can be honest with you guys about my issues. And... What's funny is oftentimes I can turn personal issues I have into sermon illustrations. So if you ever wonder, why does Stephen have so many sermon illustrations, the answer is quite simple. I have a lot of issues to draw from. I mean, just ask my wife. But there's one issue that I've been dealing with the last few years that I just can't seem to shake. I mean, I've tried and I've tried. I mean, I've thought about going to a 12-step program. Like I've thought about, you know, talking to some people I trust about it, but it just never seems to go away. And I, I just feel like I need to confess it to you guys. I feel like you need to know. My issue is, I cannot pass a certain coffee restaurant without going through the drive-thru. Now, for copyright reasons, I cannot tell you what the name of this restaurant is, but I can tell you that it rhymes with Lunkin' Lownuts. And I cannot pass the place without going through the drive-thru. It just drives me crazy. And here's the thing, it's not even my fault, folks, okay? It's not. Somehow my car just gets sucked into the parking lot somehow. you remember the original Star Wars movie where Luke and Leia, or Luke and Han and Chewie are like in the Millennium Falcon and they're trying to get away from the Death Star, but the Death Star has this like tracking beacon that like pulls them in and they can't get away and they get sucked in? That is what happens to my car when I pass the place that rhymes with Lunkin' Low It just gets sucked in. And by the time I'm aware, I'm already ordering. It's crazy. The other day, I was behind this guy at the coffee restaurant that shall not be named, and he was taking forever. Are you ever behind somebody that just drives you crazy because they're taking forever? Well, I was behind this guy, and he said some words that really made me nervous. He said the words, when the, when the lady asked him, what do you want, he said the words, I don't know, there's so many options. That's bad, all right? Those are words you don't wanna hear when you're behind somebody. And so I started having all these judgmental thoughts, like, what's this guy's problem? Is he okay? Does he need some help? Should I order something?" For him? Like, you know, all these thoughts are running through my head. And, and then finally, after a few centuries passed, he moved forward and it was my turn. And, and what was hilarious was I had spent so much time getting mad at this guy for taking too long. When I got to the window, I didn't know what I wanted. And, it, and I, I started scrolling through the menu and like I was sort of dazed and confused because I was, I, I, again, I had spent all this time just getting mad at the guy in front of me. And so when the lady asked me what I wanted, I kind of chuckled to myself a little bit because I realized I had become exactly what that guy, I had done exactly what that guy had done, and so I said to myself, I don't know, there's so many options. You know, it's kind of crazy, but in that moment, I realized how easy it is for me to judge other people when I do a lot of the same things myself. Have you ever noticed that? How quickly we can rush to judgment, and then later on, we cool off and we realize, man, you know, I do a lot of the same things. I'm the same way. Well, that's why I believe Jesus asked the question, why do you worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? Because a lot of us are in those situations where it's easy to judge somebody else. It's easy to point the finger. But really, what, what is it like inside of us? Don't we have a lot of the same issues? And that leads me to today, today's big question. And that is, why do we judge other people? Why do we do this? You know, because it's not like we're trying to. It's not like we want to. I mean, I mean, it's not like we wake up every morning and say, How can I point the finger at other people for bad things that are gonna happen today? We don't do that. It's like a reflex. It's like something that, it's like something that we do just naturally. And yet Jesus shakes us by the shoulders and he says, please don't hold people's sins against them because you're broken too. You're broken too. Here's the thing. In the brief time we have today, I wanna talk about three reasons why we tend to judge other people. And I'm gonna talk about why those reasons are not good reasons. So let's look at the first reason why we tend to judge other people. And that is this. We judge because we think we know the whole story about people. We judge because we think we know the whole story about people. Wow, it almost hurts for me to read this point. Because I think of all the times that I've assumed something about someone and it turns out that I was wrong. Have you ever done that? I feel like I do that every day. And I don't know about—I what I've done until I've already hurt somebody's feelings or I've already offended someone or I've already stepped on someone's toes. And maybe this is one more reminder for us not to believe everything we hear about other people. Maybe it's a reminder for us to, to remember that not everything we hear about other people is true, especially with social media where everybody's got an opinion about everybody and that's never a good thing. One story my dad always likes to tell goes like this. There was once an elderly couple that was walking around a mall in North Carolina, and as they were walking around, they saw this teenage girl who was wearing a a jersey, and it was a big, oversized jersey. The jersey was way too big for her, but on the jersey in big, bold letters was the word HARLOT. Well, this church going couple was absolutely shocked and chagrined because how could, I mean, how horrible that a young girl would advertise to the whole world that she's a harlot without an ounce of shame? I mean, she had no decency. How could she go out in public like that? How could she be so sinful? So the lady decided that she would go have a word with this girl and maybe find her parents. But once she got closer, she saw that the jersey was so big that it had been folded on the sides. And the jersey didn't say harlot at all. Actually, when you saw the whole word, the word was Charlotte, as in Charlotte, North Carolina. How many times, how many times have you and I seen harlot when really it was Charlotte? How many times have you and I thought we knew the whole picture about someone when the truth was so much more complex than we thought? What happens is you and I, we see a small piece of the puzzle and we say that, well, wow, what a horrible person. And God is always up there saying, hey, hold on a second. There's more to that person than just what you think you see. You might've heard from so-and-so who heard from so-and-so who heard from Gene and accounting that that person is a jerk, but I created that person. And I'm telling you right now, If you could see what I see, you would see that person just a little bit differently. You see Harlot, but maybe it's Charlotte. God is wonderful for so many reasons, church. He's wonderful for so many reasons. But let me tell you, one of the greatest things about him is that he knows all of your story. He knows the whole story of you. And no matter how much people may say that they know you and judge you accordingly, nobody knows you like him. Nobody loves you like him. Nobody has sacrificed for you like him and nobody will fight for you like him. God will not judge you according to people's small picture of you. No, 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 no. God will not judge you according to people's limited picture of you. He sees all of you. And today, I want you to know that he loves all of you. And that's the reason why we can't judge others, because God knows the whole story. God knows all the details about someone. We only get a small glimpse into who that person really is. That's the reason why it says in the Bible, in the book of 1 Kings, it says, this is talking about God. It says, you alone know each human heart. Just think about that. Just take that in for a second. You alone, God, know each human heart. Here's here's my point. Here's, Here's my big point in this section. Only God sees the whole picture. So we shouldn't judge based on what little we see. Only God sees the whole picture. Here's the second reason why we tend to judge, and I think this is really common. Number two, we judge because we think it's our job. I mean, it's easy to feel that way. A lot of times we judge because we think it's our job. One of the most deceptive things about judging other people is that we think we're doing God a favor. A lot of times we feel like we're doing God a favor. It's easy to feel like we are the morality police and we're here to write tickets so that people will start getting it right. But that's not why we're here. Have you ever heard of people who impersonate police officers? I mean, it's, it's not funny, okay, because you shouldn't impersonate a police officer, but there was a really funny story about a guy the other day who was impersonating an officer. He strapped some lights to the top of his car and he, he looked really official and he was going around pulling people over and writing them tickets, even though he was not in any way, shape or form a cop. And it was working. I mean, he was actually getting people to believe that he was a cop and he was pulling people over and it was working until he pulled over a van full of actual detectives from a police force. Suddenly it wasn't working so well anymore because he walked up to the window and I just want to see this. I don't think there's an actual tape of this, but I want to see this. I want to see the moment where he walked up to the window and he said, license and registration, please. And he opened the window and he saw a whole bunch of cops with their badges and their guns. And that guy, needless to say, he ran real fast. But the good news is later that day, that guy was eventually charged with impersonating an officer in reckless endangerment. Now we chuckle about that story, but... The truth is, when you and I, when we try to pass judgment on others, it's just like that guy who was pretending to be a cop. Our job is not to set people straight. Our job is to tell people about the God who actually has the authority and the power to set people straight. It's his job. We're just here to point people to him. That's one of the things I love about New Spring. You know, in so many churches today, when you walk in the door, one of the first things that happens is you feel everyone just sort of, they got their eyes on you and they're sort of assessing you. You know, is this person a good person or do they have some issues or what can we do about this or that? And yeah, what I love about New Spring is the first first thing that people wanna do when you visit is to shake your hand, to give you a cup of coffee, to ask you how your life is and make sure that you feel like family. That is something to celebrate. Because that is the way the church is actually supposed to be. That's the way our church is supposed to, uh, supposed to be. You want to know why a lot of Christians get it wrong when it comes to judging? I'm about to blow your mind right now. This is totally why. I think oftentimes when we picture God's courtroom, we mix up which side Jesus is on. It's so tempting when you come from religion to think that in God's courtroom, Jesus is on the side of the prosecution, that Jesus is the prosecutor. A lot of times, if you have a religious background, it's easy to feel that way. And yet, according to the Bible, actually, Jesus is not the prosecutor. Jesus is actually the defense attorney. Jesus is counsel for the defense and so when you look at things that way, it's amazing how differently you view the world. Because if you, if you believe that Jesus is the prosecutor, if you're trying to call someone out on their sin all the time, that you might feel as if you're helping Jesus because you might feel as if he's the prosecutor. And yet the truth of the matter is Jesus is not the prosecutor. He is the defense attorney in God's courtroom. He is my defense attorney. He is your defense attorney. And here's something awesome. He doesn't charge legal fees. He always wins in court. And here's the thing, you know without a doubt when Jesus is your attorney that you are walking out of that courtroom a free person because he paid the penalty for everything that you and I have done 2,000 years ago on a Roman cross. He is the best defense attorney you will ever, ever find. That's one of the reasons why in 1 John you see this verse, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate. You know that word advocate is really similar to the word lawyer. We have a lawyer with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is on the defense. But here's the thing. If Jesus is the defense attorney, which he is, that means that he's the defense attorney for the people in your life that maybe sometimes you might judge. And, you, and, and here's the thing, if you wanna know who the prosecution is, because if Jesus is the defense attorney, who's the prosecution? The prosecution is the devil. The Bible makes that very clear. That's why he's considered the accuser of the brethren in the Bible, Have you noticed that in a trial, there's not, especially high profile trials, that oftentimes there's not just one lawyer on the prosecution side and one lawyer on the defense side. Oftentimes you'll actually see a few lawyers on both sides. There's a prosecution team. There's a defense team. Here's the thing. If Jesus is the defense lawyer for every person and Satan is the prosecution, here's the thing. How we treat a person determines which team we have joined. The team for the defense, which is Jesus' team, or the team for the prosecution, Satan's team. So when you and I choose, when we choose to believe the best about people and we forgive others and we give second chances, you know what we're doing? We have placed ourselves on the team for the defense. We have sided with Jesus. However, if we choose to believe the worst about somebody, if we choose not to forgive, if, if we, we have placed ourselves on the team for the prosecution and we might not know it, but we have sided with the devil. I don't know about you, but I know which team I wanna join. I know which team I wanna join. I wanna forgive. I wanna give second chances. I wanna treat people with compassion because I'd much rather score points for Jesus' team. You know, when I was a kid, I just could not sit still. That was one thing that my teachers noticed and everybody around me noticed. I was, you know, poster child for ADD. And so my parents noticing this issue got me involved in sports a lot. And so I would be, you know, I would always be down at the YMCA in the summer and I'd be playing sports. And I, I started out with basketball and I, I, I knew absolutely nothing about basketball. In fact, I still know absolutely nothing about basketball. So I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what position I was playing. I was just kind of wandering aimlessly around but one time I felt as if I had finally succeeded because I made a basket. And it was not just any basket, mind you, okay? This was from downtown, as they say. Like it was from a long ways away and it, it just went in perfectly. And as soon as that happened, I was, in, I was in celebration mode. I mean, I was like getting down on my knees and like, you know, lifting my hands and singing I Believe I Can Fly from Space Jam. I was like high-fiving people, I was going crazy. And I was super excited until I saw the face of my coach and suddenly something hit me. I scored a basket, except it was for the other team. And that's always the worst feeling in the world. And I think all of us, when we were kids, we know what that was like to score a point for the other team. Here's the thing. When you and I judge someone, it's really easy to feel as if we did God a favor. But the truth of the matter is, we just scored a point for the wrong team. I don't know about you, but I want to score points for the right team. I'm tired of wearing the wrong jersey when I judge people. I'm tired of putting people down. I want to score points for the right team. I want to be on Jesus' side. I want to be on the defense. I don't want to be on the prosecution. I want to be on the defense. In fact, I'll give you something that you can take, take with you right now. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are asking the question, how are we going to go forward? How are we going to how do our families keep going? How does our nation keep going when we go through challenges like this? You want to know? I will tell you right now. You know what we need right now? If if you want to know how do we keep going? Here it is. We just need a whole lot of Christ followers scoring points for the right team right now. That's what we need. That's how we go forward. That's how we make it. We need a lot of kindness. We need a lot of mercy. We need a lot of people putting aside their differences and forgiving. Remember the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the way we get through, ladies and gentlemen. And sometimes it takes trouble for us to remember that, right? Oftentimes when we're going about our daily lives and we have our routines and everything is normal, isn't it funny how sometimes we tend to let those things slide? I know I do. I know I do. But now is our chance to remember who we are and what team we're on, and what we've been called to do. And if we do that, I guarantee you, everything is going to be just fine. And guess what, when, we, when all of this is over, we're going to be a lot stronger than when this began. I can promise you that. Here's the third reason why a lot of people tend to judge today. Here's the third reason. We judge because we forget we're broken too. Man, this hits home with me. We judge because we forget we're broken too. You know, there's a lot of talk in our world about equality. That's a word that you hear a lot. And I think it's a good word. I think it's a wonderful word. The word equality is a beautiful word. You know, God wrote the book on equality. It's called the Bible. And here's some important verses to remember. Because in God's eyes, we are all equal because all of us have sinned. All of us has messed up. And it's, it's important for us to remember that. There's a couple verses from the Bible that talk about this. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Isaiah 53, six, we all, look at that word, all, A-L-L, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Notice that word, all, It means that we're all on an equal playing field. We're all in the same boat. We've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. But the good news is that that means that it gives us a whole new perspective on other people because we know we've all sinned. We've all messed up. And when we forget about that equality, when we forget about the fact that all of us have messed up, that can oftentimes lead to self-righteousness. This is kind of a goofy story, but I remember reading about a, an elderly lady that was sort of very self-righteous. She kind of was sort of one of those people that like to thump people over the head with her Bible. You ever meet somebody like that? Well, one day she was on a bus And while she was sitting on the bus, a guy got on who just looked ragged. I mean, he looked like he he had alcohol in his breath. His clothes were torn. I mean, he was half awake. He wasn't even all there. And and she looked him up and down because he sat right next to her and she looked him up and down and she said, mister, you're going straight to hell. And suddenly he jumped up and he said, lady, I can't believe it. I'm on the wrong bus again. And he just bolted right out of that bus. Now, let me ask you a question. Did anybody get saved that day? Absolutely not. Self-righteousness doesn't accomplish anything. You know, at the end of the day, we have to remember that we're all broken. We all have issues. We all have problems. That's why Jesus said, hey, before you try to fix that speck in your friend's eye, take a look at that log in your own eye. That's the text for today. You know, at the beginning of this message, I asked the question, what is it psychologically in us that makes us want to judge other people? Why do we do that? Why do we, why do we have that issue? As I was working on this message, I just agonized over that. And I asked God over and over again, why, why do we judge? Why is that something that we do? And suddenly the answer came to me. And, and I still can't believe it because it's not what I thought it was. I thought that maybe sometimes we judge people just because we want to be mean or just because we feel angry. And yet oftentimes, here, here is why I believe we judge people. The answer is forgetfulness. That's the answer. We forget. Let me explain. I have two toddlers running around my house. I have a three-year-old daughter, Sophie, and she's precious and And I love her so much. And then I also have an almost two-year-old son, Zeke. Now, Sophie is the well-mannered one, all right? She's, you know, very prim and proper. I think part of it is she's a girl. Girls, I think, are just better behaved. But she's, you know, super, got super good manners. She says, excuse me, and all of that. My son, Zeke, though, he is a ball of fire, all right? I mean, boys are just different. You know, they're bouncing off the walls and they're going crazy. And, And Zeke is always wanting to do something. He wants to do something and go somewhere. He's always exploring the house. And, um, you know, may, as a parent, maybe you've had this happen before, but have you ever noticed that there's a vent on your floor, on the, on the main floor of your house where the screws are not put in the vent and actually you can just pick it right up and pull it out of the, out of the floor? Well, here's the thing. You never notice this until your kid does it. And then you find out that the screws are not in the vent. Because the other day, my son Zeke was playing around and he was actually pulling the, floor, the vent out out from the floor and he was pouring some water from his sippy cup down the vent, which is not good. It can like create mold and stuff. And so as soon as I saw it, I was jumping out of my chair. I said, Ezekiel Josiah Hoover. You have to say the middle name. All right. Ezekiel Josiah. That's what puts the fear of God in your kid when you bring out the middle name. And one of the things I love about my son's name, I know I'm sidetracked here, but one of the things I love about his name is Ezekiel Josiah. It's like, it's, it's a manly name. You know, it sounds like a guy who just got back from plowing a field or building a barn with his bare hands. It was just, I love that name. But I, I, I had to bring in the full name. I said, Ezekiel Josiah. And you know what happens, parents, when you do that? You, know, you have this adorable little face looking up at you, terrified. You know, Like, what did I do? And he's looking up at me. And, I, and he knows I caught him red-handed. All right? He knows I caught him red-handed. And yet he's looking at me. And what's funny is, in the middle of this situation, I had a memory just come right back to me like it happened two seconds ago. I remembered that 21 years ago, my family, we had just got a new house, and I was a little kid, I wasn't that much older than Zeke, and I found a floor vent that didn't have the screws in it and I took it out of the floor and I was actually pouring some water down the vent to see what would happen. I was doing the exact same thing. I was getting mad at Zeke about 21 years ago and my dad was home and you know what? He saw it, he caught me red-handed and he came over to me and he was, he, he let me know how it was. And here's the thing, I was terrified because you know I was thinking to myself, I do not want my dad to give me the kind of spanking that only a parent from Texas can give, all right? I didn't want that and yet what was interesting is that that day, my dad, he gave me a break. He told me why I shouldn't be doing that, but he forgave me. And he said, you know, just don't ever do that again. And what's funny is all this is rushing right back to me when I'm in the exact same situation where I'm the dad and he's my son. And we're literally in the exact same situation. And I looked at him and I went from being extremely mad to sort of laughing about it. I was kind of laughing about it. I was like, wow, the roles have really reversed here. And I thought about something. Do you know why my judgment went away? Do you want to know why suddenly I wasn't mad anymore? It's because I remembered. I remember what it was like to be in his shoes. I remember what it was like to be the little kid. And I, if you want to know what's the cure for the judgmentalism that we might have in our own hearts, and also what's the cure for the judgmentalism that you see outside? You know, there's a lot of people that are really angry right now, and there's a lot of accusations and a lot of people casting blame and just... It's just hard to read. It's hard to watch. But you want to know what the, what the antidote for judgmentalism is? It's remembering. It's remembering all the times when God forgave you. Remembering all the times when you were ashamed, but God lifted your head up and gave you another chance. If you do that, It's amazing how much your attitude toward people can change regardless of the situation and regardless of how angry you might be. Here's the bottom line for today's message. God never called us to judge. Instead, he has called us to humbly lead people to him. God has never called us to judge, but he has called us to humbly lead people to him. And that is what we are on this planet to do. And we will continue to do that. And that is what God has given us as our mission as Christians. You know, today I've talked a lot about the fact that God doesn't hold our sins against us. And did you know that is the message of the gospel? that God does not hold our sin against us. And here's the thing, if you've never, if you've never responded to that message, if you've never invited God into your life, I wanna invite you to do that right now. Let's do that together right now. And you can pray these words with me and these aren't magic words. These are just calling out to God saying, yes, I want you in my life. Yes, I want you in my heart. If you wanna make that decision, let's, let's do that right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I know that I've done wrong things. I know that I've sinned but I believe you love me anyway. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. And I believe he arose from the grave. Please forgive me and change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Well, thank you for that message, Stephen. It's really important to think about how that we're not called to prosecute others, but we're called to be on the defense team to make a difference in their lives and lead people to Jesus. Well, if you just prayed with Stephen a few moments ago, regardless of where you are, we would love to hear from you. And all you need to do is text PRAYED, P-R-A-Y-E-D, to 97000. We have a gift that we would like to share with you. If you're here within the continental United States, we'll get this gift to you. Just again, let us know. Text PRAYED, P-R-A-Y-E-D, to 97000. We were so glad that you joined us for this weekend service. Don't forget that Monday... We have Noah's window for adults, Noah's window for kids, Noah's window for students. And if that's a new term to you, it's just a daily message of hope that we wanna share with you during this season as we're all trying to make it through. And one more opportunity, if you're a married couple, hey, these can be pressure-packed times for married couples. We have great content for you in a site called Quarantine Marriage. Well, that's a strange name, but I promise you it's excellent stuff. We're so glad you joined us today at New Spring, and we hope that this service Service has been a life-changing experience. May God bless you. Until next time, we'll see you soon. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in Wichita, the surrounding area, we'd love for you to engage with us in one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our incredible kids and student environments, visit us at newspring.org. One more time, newspring.org.